Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm looking forward to this next part of the service today. We have uh, a great staff here, a great pastoral staff. Uh, we have great people that come through that visit and bring the word to us. And today we have uh, one of one of our our staff here who has been such a blessing to our ministry and to our students and staff. And uh, he has been asked to come and share the word today. Pastor Winston Trumpet, why don't you come up and deliver the word of God? Thank you. Praise the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. I want to take the first few minutes here and just give thanks for the awesomeness of this moment for me as um, I look back over the 60-plus years of Brooklyn Adult and Teen Challenge, and I think of all the great men of God that have come and stood behind a pulpit or one like this to speak to the congregation of men and women that God has called forth for deliverance and redemption. And to be counted amongst them is beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. It's like our Pastor Paul says, you, he's never seen anyone who has <laughs> surrendered at all, that God didn't take places that they never thought they were going to be. And so I give honor to our founder and our president in his absence, Pastor Don Wilkerson, to my pastor, Pastor Paul, Pastor Will, Pastor Charles, all of the Teen Challenge staff, and especially the body of students in this house today. Amen? Amen. 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 And if you don't mind, I want to get right to work. Is that okay? All right. <laughs> I, I want to get straight to work this morning on, on uh, this. What I thank God that uh, uh, last week was we had it on a schedule that, that I was going to preach, and then we had uh, the honor of having our founder come and uh, our co-founder come, and uh, I, I had to wait a week, but that week was so important. It was so important. It was ultimately God giving proper preparation prior to presentation to prevent poor performance. Period. People. <laughs> and I'd like uh, to, to take you with me today to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3, and I'm just going to settle down into verses 1 through 5. Zechariah. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. When you have it, please say amen. So I know that everybody's on the same page. Amen? Yeah, Zechariah right before the Italian prophet Malachi. <laughs> or, or is it Malachi? Malachi, depending where you're from, right? <laughs> and I read into your hearing from the uh, New King James Version this, this portion of Scripture. Three, starting at one, says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. 
And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy rags from him. And to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put the clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by. And I bring your attention to the last part of the last verse and the angel of the Lord stood by and the title of my sermon is Jesus, hashtag, still standing by. A little bit of history before I move forward. This is the fourth of eight visions of encouragement given to the Jewish exiles who had returned to Judah from Babylon in about 520-518 BC, a couple of years before I was born. The people were a tiny minority, a remnant and they were there with a small half-built temple and the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. They had no protection and needing to start over in a land that had been desolated over 70 years earlier because their forefathers had not listened to God's word. They had not repented and therefore God's words of destruction came to pass upon his people and the land. And it came to pass that the day of deliverance came and 50,000 or so people set out from the heart of Bob Babylon, and most of them had been raised there in Babylon with no memory of what Jerusalem, the old city, was like. Some of the remnant who had seen the former glory of the city joyfully accompanied them. They left Babylon in the spring, and towards the end of the seventh month, Late September-ish, the returning exiles were determined to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, complete with burnt offerings and all the ceremony that came with it, and all upon a new altar that they had just constructed. There were shouts of joy at that great feast from many, yet the cries of lament and sorrow could be heard from those who knew the former glory of the temple. And through a series of unfortunate events, King Artaxerxes, who had now replaced Cyrus as the monarch in Babylon, ordered the returned exiles to stop building their city. So for the next 16 years, the priesthood and the people languished in failure and chaos, debauchery, and idolatries. But the Lord remembers. He will be faithful to his promise. It was over 86 years before that that he had told his prophet Jeremiah to tell the people, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans not for evil, but plans for a hope and for a future. And he is faithful to his promise. So we see here the entrance of the prophetic priest, Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, he spoke the visions of the Lord over the lives of Zerubbabel, Joshua, or Jeshua, the high priest, and over the people of God. And after 16 years of Malay, they rose up and began to build the house of God again, which is in Jerusalem. Everybody with me so far? Just a little bit of history. Now, in this fourth vision out of eight, shows Zechariah, God showing him a spiritual issue 
which has infected not only the leadership, but the entire people of God in their journey toward their spiritual destiny. They would not be able to rebuild the house of God until such a time as they realize their state of spiritual degradation. Their issues have issues. And my dearest brothers and sisters, so do we. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing to accuse him. This is a court scene in heaven. We see Joshua, or Jeshua, the current high priest, not to be confused with Moses', uh, the one who took his, his replacement, now that my servant Moses is dead, that Joshua. But this Joshua is the one that was in the position of the high priest. He's the defendant in the official position of the high priest of the people. He represents the people. He stands in their place and intercedes by way of burnt offerings before the Lord for their forgiveness for their sins. We see Satan, the accuser. He's the prosecuting attorney trying to make the guilty charges against Yeshua stick. And behold, the angel of the Lord. He is the pre-incarnate Christ, known in theological circles as a Christophany. He's presiding judge over this court case, and he is the defense attorney. Satan is bringing accusation against the man of God. What might Satan be accusing Joshua and the God's people of? I think it might sound something like this. How can Israel still be your holy nation? How can you dwell among them? Aren't these the people who broke your laws and worshiped other gods? Wasn't it their unrepentant sin that made you drive them out into exile anyway? How can you accept their worship now? How can they dare call themselves your people? <laughs> that was supposed to sound devilish. <laughs> Isn't that what Satan does to us today? Huh? He brings up our sins, past and present, throws them in our face and says to us, you aren't worthy to be called a child of God. You're a two-faced hypocrite. You should feel guilty and you should feel shameful and you should feel, most of all, unforgiven. And how do you answer your accuser when he throws such charges in your face as you stand before the judge. Well, from my example here in the scripture, you don't say a word. You don't say nothing. That's your attorney's job. Wait on the Lord. He is standing by you. Amen? And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a branch snatched from the fire? What is the Lord's answer to Satan? He rebukes Satan, not once but twice, telling him to shut his mouth and not to utter not another accusation against his people. And why? Well, first, I believe it's because the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Somebody say, I am chosen. Yeah, yeah, he is, he is, he has chosen Jerusalem. That is, it is God's gracious election of his people, symbolized here by Jerusalem, that forms the basis of his continued love for them, despite what they have done in the past. 
If you think that the doctrine of electron is uh, just for, you know, theologians <laughs> uh, or that they're an affront to our free will and responsibility for it is only God's sovereign and gracious choosing of us for salvation that keeps us from the guilt and the punishment and the accusations of Satan. He chose us. We did not choose him. And therefore, he will preserve us to the end. That's one. Number two, I believe that the second reason that the Lord rebukes Satan is that we, like Joshua, the remnant taken out of captivity in Babylon, have been rescued. Hallelujah. We're trophies of God's grace. Is not this man a branch snatched from the fire? If you would picture with me that you're out camping for a week or so and you find this beautiful branch and you start to whittle on it and you've got, uh, you've got something beautiful that you're creating out of this branch. And one night around the campfire as they're gathering wood and throwing it in, someone mistakenly takes your branch and or intentionally, because you all know how people is, and throw it right into the fire. Now it's in the fire burning up, but you bravely reach into the fire and pull it out and extinguish the flames and begin to restore it for the work that you were creating it for. This is what the Lord did for the remnant of Israel. He snatched them out of captivity and exile in Babylon where they had been sent for chastisement. If God had not rescued them, they would not have been able to rescue themselves, just as a branch cannot deliver itself from the fire. My beloved, this is what the Lord did for us in Christ Jesus. When we were dead in our sins, when we were the objects of his wrath, he made us alive in Christ. In Christ, you are God's chosen one. You are a stick snatched from the flames of hell. That's why Satan cannot make his accusations against a stick. For God has chosen us. God has rescued us in Christ. In other words, Satan, you can't touch this. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Hallelujah. Satan, the Lord rebukes you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, you can't touch him, not while I'm still standing here. Amen. 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 Now we have Joshua standing there. Still a filthy mess. Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. To appreciate this vision, we need to remember that the high priest was dressed for official work in a specific way, according to Exodus 29 and 28. God tells us that the high priest was to wear clothing of fine linen. It was clothing to give him dignity and honor. Everything had to be spotless. Everything had to be just right. He also had to go through a series of ceremonial cleansing prior to stepping into the Holy of Holies where he present what the people had gave as an offering for their sins. And if he was not right, he probably would not make it out. Thus they tied a rope to his leg because only he could enter. But if he died in there, no one could go in and get him, so they tied it to him just in case so they can pull him out. And it was this priest he had to be clean and spotless. He was going to offer sacrifices on behalf of the sins of the people. But here we see this highest priest 
his clothes are filthy. They're not just dirty from mud and grease stains. What they're using here, the Hebrew word for filth here, is related to the filth of human excrement and urine. That means he is filthy in look and he smelleth badly. He stands before the Lord and he's supposed to be in the right place, in the right condition to offer up the sacrifice for the sin, but he's standing there in worse condition than the people he is asking forgiveness for. Note that these clothes symbolize not just Joshua's sins, but the people's. They stand for the filthy sins of the people. They represent the sin and the iniquity of all of Israel. So here is Israel's high priest, her one and only intercessor humanly before God. And because he was totally sinful, no wonder Satan was ready to accuse Joshua. It's bad enough when the accuser, listen, when the accuser brings false evidence against us, that's to be expected, is it not? Amen? It's to be expected because the devil is a liar, right? Not only a liar, the Bible tells me, but also the father of lies. Amen? But what about, saints, what about when he ain't lying? Uh, when you did do it and the accusations are true. Now the spirits of guilt and shame and remorse and discouragement set themselves up in your mind and you can't get a prayer through and you can't worship the Lord. You're sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Has anybody ever been there? Huh? The devil don't got to lie on me. He telling the truth. And inside of yourself, you feel like you're not worthy. Inside of yourself, you start to feel the shame and the guilt. And you start to say, what can I do to make myself clean again? And it seems that everything that you try to do to clean this up just smudges it and makes it worse. You ever do that? Get a spot on something to clean it up? Next thing you know, now it's really evident that you did it. And what makes it even worse is that it's not only your interior guilt and your shame. Can't you hear the people? and what they're thinking about you now that they know that you've fallen, 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 fallen down. Huh? And then you've also got the accuser of the brethren standing there whispering in your ear. <laughs> yeah, I told you you wasn't never. Yeah, I told you that you was a phony. Yeah, I told you. I know some of you haven't heard because you've been saved since the day you was born, born on a church pew, and you've been walking with the Lord all your life and have never been tempted, have never fallen from a place where you knew that you should or thought you were solidly standing and have to deal with the repercussions of a guilty soul and a guilty conscience. I know you haven't experienced that, but just take it from me. It's not a good place to be. But Jesus is still standing by. Hallelujah. Our champion. Remove his filthy clothes. <laughs> God does for us what we could never do for ourselves. He takes 
away our sins. He removes our spiritual filth from us. He cleanses us from our weaknesses. Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. You see, it's not just enough to put the devil to flee if you're still standing there in the same condition where he can still come back and tell the truth about you. You see, Jesus, he didn't just die and go down into the grave. He took it to another level. He paid for the guilt. He paid for the penalty and the wrath of God against our sin. But he took it to another level. He took it to another level straight to the devil. Went straight down to him. Went down in his face. Got all in his business. All up in his property. And he stepped to him and he said, hand over those keys. All those, the, give me the keys of the, of the, because you see, if he didn't do that, we would be forgiven but die. Ah, but not G that was not the plan, was it? You see, he was still standing, and he knew he was going to still stand, and he wanted us to remain standing also. So he went and he snatched back. Ha-ha, ha-ha, the icing on the cake. He snatched back. I wish somebody here could feel Pentecostal for a minute. He snatched, he snatched back, hallelujah, the, and said, death, so that you can stand there and say, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? See, to us, death is just a door, just something that we pass through into who we really are, our eternity, our eternal being. And if that were a place I was going to ask for a shout, it would be right there. But I, I want you to think for a moment. And as you can see, it isn't that he takes those filthy clothes and washes them and puts them away. No, Jesus, our self, puts them on. Because the Bible tells me that he bore the sins of many, that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Hallelujah. 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 So now you stand before the Lord. And just like the prodigal son, when he came home filthy from the pigsty that he had been in, when his father ran out to meet him, he didn't run out with the accusations. He didn't stand there and see, I told you so, boy. I told you to stay right in the house. But no, <laughs> you're going to go out and do your thing. Now look at you. No, that's not what he did. What did he do? He did something like what the scripture said there. There's more. And he says, I will put rich raiments on you. Having taken off your filthy clothes, the Lord dresses you up in expensive festal garments suitable for wearing to the finest banquet in heaven. These garments are not symbolic of righteousness, for then they would have been clean and white, but rather they are symbolic of glory and celebration. See, when a person is invited, sometimes the one who invited him, well, hallelujah, come on and give him praise. How do you like him now? Hallelujah. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm see. You see, the Lord is taking Joshua from an accused sinner wearing filthy clothes and he transforming into a handsomely attired guest of a wedding banquet. What a picture of what God does for us in Jesus Christ. According to Revelation 19, 7-9, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. But there's more. There's more. 
Hallelujah. God ain't finished with you yet. Some of us get this part where God has got us clean. We're looking good, smelling good to the family. Go home for a visit. they like, oh, man, you a man of God now. And you're like, yeah, 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 time for me to go home because she said I'm good and he said I'm good and they said I'm good. But you have to wait until the completed work is done. Ah, don't leave before the miracle happens. Hallelujah. Because you, you only got a little piece of it. When we were out there doing our things, we didn't want a little half of what we paid for. I want a little extra if we could. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the fact. We're still built like that, but we just have to pursue the things of God in the same way. I don't want half. I don't want no short. I don't take no shorts. Hallelujah. Don't try to sell me no short. Don't try to sell me no beat bag. I want the real thing, pure, uncut, complete, because I'm, I, want the, I want what's going to happen to really happen. Hallelujah. I'm not playing. I'm serious about this thing. Hallelujah. And if we would get about a tenth as serious about pursuing God's will for our life and pursuing his righteousness and put his place where he belongs, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, then all these things will be at. You don't got to fight for them. You don't got to struggle. They'll be added. Right, Pastor? They will be added. Somebody say, just add it to me, Lord. Just add it to me, Lord. I'm just going to walk in, in, in your favor. I'm just going to accept favor over finances. I'm going to expect suffering and sacrifice on behalf of the kingdom of God because I know that this is just a temporary place that I'm passing through on my way to eternal glory where there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, there'll be... Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that's where we're headed. We're headed to that place. Amen? Well, well, well wait, it gets worse. Listen, th but then some of y'all will get that if you come from where I'm from. Y'all don't remember that, okay? But, but, but there's more. <laughs> but there's more here. Uh, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. Hey, if you're going to do all that to Joshua, why not go all the way and add the finishing touch of a clean turban on his head? What did Zechariah mean by that? Well, remember that Zechariah is the high priest and he had to have special headgear. That's his covering. And you don't want to walk out here half dressed without a covering. And God is not going to cut through who he put as your covering and tell you to step out because you've got him. He has an order to things. And if God could people in position as your covering, you, he will, you, can't come, don't, you can't come and say, the Lord told me that it's time for me to go and follow his will. And, and, and yeah, three months in the program that he made you sign the contract to, that's 12. But God is telling you that. He's telling you to be obedient to his disobedience. Yeah, that sounds like God to me. Doesn't it sound like foolishness? But is that not what you bring to the table? Huh? Is that not what we bring to the table? Foolishness, trying to wrap it up looking like righteousness and godliness. But see, if we allow God to perform what he wants to perform on us, he will exchange our ashes for beauty. 
The reason that he said to put this on is because the, the, in Exodus, he tells us to make a plate of pure gold and engrave it as a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it to attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front. It will be Aaron's forehead continually so that they will be acceptable to the Lord. It appears that this clean turban that it is to be put on Joshua's head so that now as high priest, he is official. Hallelujah. Not only are Joshua's sins taken away, just like ours is, he is given holiness from the Lord. This is in accord to what we read in 1 Corinthians 30 and 1. You are in Christ who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Amen? My dearest brothers and sisters, often we may feel accused by Satan or by our conscience. Yes, for sins that we've already confessed and repented of and forgiven of. We may have a hard time feeling that we're really clean in God's eyes for the awful sins we have committed. If that is our struggle, then we need to take hold of this message in Zechariah 3, 1 to 5. And remember that Paul writes to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this points us to Joshua, beyond ourselves to the ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ. For he is the one who fills the office of the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, there have been many of these priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely. Somebody say completely. Somebody say it twice, completely. He saves completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted from the heavens. But before I close, I want to put the icing on the cake. The last part of these verses, chapter 5, has an awesome ending that encourages me even as I'm standing here today and it says and the angel of the Lord stood by now some of you might have read it and missed this but I want to point something out to you see in Luke 4 12 to 13 Jesus answered him and, and it says you shall not put the Lord your God to the test as he spoke to Satan and then the devil had ended every temptation he departed from him until an opportune time. See, the devil, the accuser, the father of lies, though he is rebuked, he is still determined to steal your joy. He is still determined to kill your dreams. He is still determined to destroy your hope. He is on the prowl waiting to catch you in sin so that he may devour you. But God. You see, it was he who chose you. It was he who promised to never leave you nor forsake you. So, yea, though you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, you need to fear no evil. For he who was and is and is to come is still standing by you, still defending you. His blood will never, ever, ever lose his power. So I declare today that no weapon 
formed against you shall prosper. Your defender, your protector, your lawyer, your doctor, your teacher, your redeemer, your savior and friend. Uh, maybe you want to hear it from the scripture, but you are a chosen generation. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I double dare somebody to just give God 30 seconds of off the chain, bondage breaking. I'm so glad I've been set free. I've been standing here. I dare you to stand to your feet and give him 30 seconds of the kind of praise that lets hell know that there's no weapon that is formed against me because Jesus is still standing here. He will never leave me. He will not forsake me. Uh, if I go through the fire, I shall not be burned. If I go through the rivers, I shall not drown because he is faithful to stand.